Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, and links to both enderf.org and where you can purchase my book in the bookstore can be found at our website, which is neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Okay, we're going to share a few short experiences today, all of which are simple yet profound. We're going to start with the shortest. This is Carlene on enderf.org. She says, In 1990, I was found in a coma, and I died for a bit. During this time, I saw a black hole with a circle of light that I was traveling through. A sense of peacefulness, which is indescribable, came over me. I continued to go through the tunnel or circle of light. I wanted to stay because the feeling, the peacefulness, was so complete. Somehow I knew it was heaven. I looked to see if my grandmother and my daughter Becky was there. They were. And again I felt a peace knowing that they were all right. I also saw another friend who supposedly committed suicide. I could hear my family and my other daughters talking to me. I needed to come back and help them. I wanted to hold on to that peace that I felt. However, my family needed me. I soon came out of the coma. Later I found out the doctors tried everything, but it wasn't till my daughters were allowed in my room that I came out of the coma. That is the end of Carlene's experience. And an interesting one in the sense that um, she was in this coma and the thing that brought her back was having her family near her, probably encouraging her to come back. Very interesting. Very interesting. And, and did she say how long she was in the coma? It didn't say. But, um, but it wasn't until they let her family in to talk to her that she came back. Very interesting. Deborah from enderf.org says, I had taken an herbal supplement for the first time, recommended by a naturopath. Within a couple of minutes, I knew something was wrong. I was helping my mother, who had fallen and had suspected broke, had a suspected broken wrist. I did not want to alarm her, so I did not tell her my full concerns about how I was feeling. I have always believed that the body is an amazing thing. It somehow kept me going until I was in an environment that was safer for me. A hospital, three hours later. During this approximate three-hour period, my main concern was not to worry my mother, who was very good at this. I'd seen a doctor who had advised that I go to the hospital as I was having an allergic reaction, and I should be observed. When I arrived at the hospital, I was taken straight to the acute section. I remember getting into a gown. I remember questions, machines being hooked up, and the sound of the heart monitor. I remember my right hand trying to pull the adrenaline mask off my face, and a nurse with my left arm and me having to use every ounce of strength, willpower, determination, whatever it was, just to get the words, not good out. I remember thinking that I was falling to the right. Apparently, I was lying down the whole time. I remember hearing someone say, get the mother now. I remember hearing my mother say, oh no. 
I remember knowing that my mother was holding my hand, but I don't remember physically feeling her hand. I remember the sensation of being pulled backwards, not lying down. I was in a sitting position. Everything around me was a hazy gray, like thick gray fog, but with a bright white light in the distance at the top, top being the only way I can describe it, shining down and through the fog. There were no sounds. There was also no more fear, no more pain. I wasn't terrified anymore. It was peace. It was my nirvana, and I was happy to be there. I've never felt anything like it. I can still feel that feeling today. And then I was back. That is the end of that experience. It's interesting that she could hear what was going on around her, at least some of it, um, such as her mother being in the room or coming in the room and, and taking her hand, even though she couldn't feel the hand, but clearly she knew that her hand was being held, which is interesting. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Guillermo says, During surgery, my blood pressure fell, and they told me that or they told me they had to inject drugs directly into my heart in order to bring it back up. I don't remember much about going into surgery, but I do remember looking down from a place up by the ceiling and seeing a person dressed in white, or dressed in light blue, running or walking with a box on a mall table with wheels, which I found out afterwards, but by actually seeing it, that it was a defibrillator. Shortly after, I saw my family waiting in the intensive care waiting room, which I can describe in detail, including a screen separating this waiting room from the intensive care unit. I was on life support for 12 hours, and during this time I saw, as if it were deep within a dome or cupola, cupola, a white light tinged with blue that radiated rays of energy. Later, I remembered a type of cottage where I saw many children dressed in white robes, all together as in a school. There I was greeted by a being dressed in immaculate white who looked a lot like my father who had died several years before my surgery. At eight o'clock the next morning, I opened my eyes and sat up in my bed for, or with 42 stitches. This worried my doctor who hadn't yet made a prognosis. As a result of this experience, I am immensely more spiritual and religious. Interesting. Okay, next we've got Richard, and this is the longest one, and it will be our last one today. Richard says, In the summer of 1960, I was learning to water ski behind my uncle's small boat. Anxious to get back out water skiing, I accepted an offer from another man who had a more powerful boat, I was amazed at how hard the water felt at the higher speed. Just as I decided to jump, the boat wake to or jump the boat wake to the right for calmer water, the boat operator decided to make a sharp turn to the left. The whipping action propelled me at an even faster rate over the water, cracked the whip, and I lost my grip on the two ropes. Witnesses told me later that I had tumbled end over end for several feet, like a stone skipping across the surface. I plunged in feet first. The life belt was driven up 
to my armpits and knocked the wind out of me. My initial plunge into the water was deeper than any previous spill I had made because I could sense the higher pressure of the water and the colder temperature the deeper I plunged. After that initial plunge, I fought my way to the surface and tried to to gasp for air, but I kept inhaling the water from the waves lapping in my face. I sank beneath the waves again, still trying to get my breath, and fought my way to the surface. As I slipped beneath the waves that third time, everything changed. As a warm golden glow enveloped me, the whine of the other boats on the lake turned into the most beautiful music I had ever heard. It was as if a thousand Mormon choirs and Philadelphia orchestras were performing. Instead of fighting it, I put my chin on my chest, held my hands to my side, and began a pleasant plunge into the depths. A golden glow, or the golden glow turned into a golden mist as highlights of my life flashed on the closed eyelids as if I was watching a movie. After the movie ended, I started through the tunnel, the golden tunnel, and was looking forward to meeting the shadowy figures on the other end, figures who I felt were relatives who were long gone from earth. Suddenly, I was abruptly dragged violently towards, or backwards through the tunnel. I found myself head down in the boat with my legs hanging over the sides as the boat operator and the spotter riding along were heading as fast as possible towards the shore to report a drowning. The bouncing of the boat on the choppy lake apparently provided CPR that forced the water out of my lungs and got me breathing again. I was fine by the time we reached the shore where I sat on the beach to rest for an, for a half an hour. Then I went out again into the water because I knew that if I did not do so, I would never be able to water ski again. I was told later by the spotter that he had been down several times trying to find and rescue me and was about to give up. He decided to dive down one more time and his hand brushed the top of my head. He guessed that I was about 15 to 20 feet down and dropping fast. Though I do not remember it, he said that I had fought him as if I did not want to be rescued. That was about the time when I was having the fantastic experience. Since I experienced death, death and dying is no concern to me. As a kid, I would wonder why it was that in church people would sing and talk about going to heaven someday, but relatives would carry on and cry when death did occur. As a result, I believed that the actual experience of dying was bad, but once in heaven, everything was fine. After my experience, death and dying is not a bad experience, but rather quite pleasant. I never told anyone until I was married in 1963 and told my bride about it one night. A short time later, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Dr. Raymond Moody began talking and writing about life after death. And that is the end of Richard's experience. And besides the beautiful golden light and the family there at the end of the tunnel and so forth, the thing that stands out to me, and I think this is something that, you know, as you get further into near-death studies, um, your fear of death tends to evaporate completely, but it takes a little while to get over the fear of dying. 
But uh, this is one of the more reassuring experiences because he says, I, you know, I used to think that, that, you know, because people would say going to heaven's wonderful, but dying is so sad. Um, he would assume that, that maybe dying itself is awful, but once you get to heaven, then it's, it's all great again. And he says, after my experience, you know, I, I, death and dying is not a bad experience, but rather quite pleasant. So he said he includes both death and dying as a pleasant experience. Now I'm sure it's a little bit frightening in the moment. You know, he probably had a few moments of like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> and I don't doubt that. But uh, but from what he makes it sound like, it's not a terrible experience. It's not something to dread. It's not something terrible. And admittedly, this is a drowning experience, not a burning or sickness or something like that. So, you know, it may be different for different people, but I find it interesting that he says that uh, that death and dying is not unpleasant. And, uh, and so that's reassuring, I think. So, if you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by either going to to uh, patreon.com slash ndecast and becoming an ongoing monthly contributor or you can purchase my book uh, Life in the Spirit World and both of links to those are on our website neardeathexperiencepodcast.org and you can also contact the podcast either to share a comment, ask a question or to share your own near-death experience by emailing Near Death Experience Podcast at gmail.com or by calling 970-NDE-CAST. That is a message line. It, there will be no one to pick up, so it will give you a three-minute time to leave a message. If that's not enough, just call right back and continue your message. And if you do not want it shared on the podcast, just say so, and I will gladly not share it. But if you would, or if you would like your question or comment to be shared, but not your name. Just specify that in your message. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.